style of dress that they agree upon the night before, and for some reason they fail to inform the chaplain. So I feel kind of left out that I'm not wearing yellow today, so I will pray for you that you will soon invite me into your fellowship and allow me to be part of the chapel team. Is that all right? Okay, we're praying for you. Good. Hey, uh, wasn't chapel phenomenal on Wednesday with Dr. Josh Sweden? Wasn't that great? Uh, For those of you who weren't here, I know our trustees are with us today, which to the students will explain why I'm wearing a tie. Uh, please let them assume that I always wear one. Thank you. But the, our, uh, one of our religion profs, Dr. Josh Sweden, um, recited by memory and walked among the sanctuary and just recited the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's about 120, 130 verses. Just not reading it from memory. It was uh, unbelievable and we were, really, we were really blessed by it. I couldn't even like, recite John 3.16 without reading it myself. Uh, but he does 120-something verses. It was very impressive, and we were blessed by it. And I just want to give God praise. I'm, I'm also thankful for last Friday with, with David Johnson with Silent Images, and I just want to give God praise publicly for uh, the way he has blessed us with some of the chapel speakers we've had in the, in the chapel uh, programs we've had. Uh, I hope you have been blessed by them. I want to just make one quick announcement. We're starting a new program here at ENC that I've wanted to start for several years, and uh, how do we get young people uh, like yourselves to commit to a local church. And I'm going to actually talk about that today. That's actually going to be the focus of my message. And the fact that I'm announcing this program we're beginning and we're looking for four or five of you that are going to commit to a relatively small church for the summer, which I want to talk about in a moment. The fact that my message then connects in with hoping that you do not decide to leave the church as 8 million young people have between the ages of 18 and 29. Um, I didn't plan on that these would come together, but I do believe that it's of God that they have. So we're going to start a program this summer, and we're looking for four or five students that will commit to a small church somewhere on the region. We're calling it the Church Bridge Program. And look, isn't that a lovely slide? Obviously, my PowerPoint skills are not the best. Be patient with me. But my hope is is that this is not... We have Now, many of you are doing your internships already, uh, religion majors, and whatever your field is, you're doing different programs. Some of you have jobs. Some of you have different ministry opportunities, whether that opportunity that God has called you to be in Schrader all summer doing lab research or being working for a company or an organization or a lab. That's all wonderful, and God has called you to that. And I pray that God's blessing and anointing upon you as you serve God in that way. But in the same way, David, Johnson challenged us last week to take these gifts we have that we often think can't be used in the church. I'm hoping that we can begin to see and understand that whatever our gifts, talents, hobbies may be, can be used in the church. And the churches that I'd specifically like to connect you with are churches under 100 people, the small churches, that really can't afford students for the summer. So how are we going to do this? If a small church can't afford a student for the summer, how will the program work? Well, that will come down to you fundraising. So there are four churches. Let me tell you the churches. First, one of the first churches, um, Community of Hope in Washington, D.C. How many of you remember in the fall semester, Pastor Larry Taylor and his wife Julie Taylor were in chapel? Didn't they do a wonderful job? Wouldn't you like to work with them for the summer? Uh, downtown D.C., Washington, D.C. You'd live with the Taylors. You'd probably say in Stephen Taylor's room since he's traveling so you can trash Stephen's room while you're there all summer. That's fine. Stephen won't mind. But they can't afford an intern all summer. 
the next church is in, uh, so we go from urban, then we're going to go to a rural church in Pennsylvania and uh, under the leadership of Pastor uh, Mark and Sherry Monkern in Petersburg, uh, Petersburg Church of the Nazarene. And here's what they're looking for. So uh, Community of Hope is looking for someone. We just need someone to invest in the youth and just work with the youth. And Petersburg's need someone. Do any of your students have any maintenance skills? Can any of your students paint or mow lawn or can they help pick up the facility and in the meantime also work with our youth in their program do any of your students have those skills and gifts I think some of you do and I'd like to encourage you to give those skills and gifts back to God for a summer so that's a rural congregation uh, the next church we have is uh, <clears throat> now this one's a little larger this is in uh, Annandale uh, Calvary Church of the Nazarene now you'll notice that this is larger but the reason that this church is part of this group this is larger than 100 they're looking for students, more than one, that have video skills, that love to take a camera, video or photography, and then use those in worship or use them for the kingdom of God. So if you have those skills, these churches are looking for you to connect back in and work there for the summer. And I'd like to encourage you that not just for the summer, you can use these gifts and talents throughout the rest of your journey in the church. And uh, Pastor James Hayward is here today. Pastor James, can you just stand so we can say hello to you? Uh, and greet you, and please stand a little longer, James, so we can properly greet you. James. James, please stand one more time. We just want to greet <laughs> Can you tell James has been a friend for a long time? James, stand one more time so we... No, I'm just kidding, sorry. <laughs> but if you have those gifts and skills, you can use those in the church. You may go into a career or a field in that area, but so why don't you take the experience you can use at a church like Annandale, that, that's what you'd be doing all summer. And then one final church is right here in town. It's in Davis Square, uh, Davis Square, Cambridge uh, Church of the Nazarene in Davis Square. And they're looking for people that are students that are interested in issues of justice and reconciliation and working right there in Cambridge all summer, working with the church. These are four wonderful pastors, wonderful pastors, wonderful churches. Um, I'd like to encourage you to consider giving your summer to them. Uh, this is just the start of the program, and my hope is that year after year we'll get more and more students. So how will we pay for this? The, well, the churches are going to give you an honorarium between $25 and $50 a week. Boy, that's big money. But it is a lot, actually, for some churches. So we're going to ask that you raise money. We're going to ask that you write to your family members and to your friends and to maybe church members from home church and say, you are aware that young people are fleeing the church between the ages of 18 and 29 and that the 20-somethings are disappearing from the church, well, I'm willing to give my summer to the church, to invest in it, to see uh, what I can give back, but I'll need you to help pay for my school bill if I do this. And so you would write a letter, and I will write a letter on your behalf, and the pastors will write a letter on your behalf in the hopes that you will receive money, a significant amount that will make it worth your time to go and basically volunteer. Housing will be provided, meals will be provided, and the $25 to $50 honorarium, hopefully enough money will be raised so that it will go 100% toward your school bill, and that will be the plan. In addition to that, I went to meet the provost uh, two days ago and shared the vision with him and shared it with the cabinet, and I was nervous. I don't like to ask money because I'm just not that good at it. I mean, uh, so I said, Tim, you know what, uh, Dr. Worcester, excuse me, uh, Dr. Worcester, uh, Provost, sir, your holiness, if, uh, is it possible uh, that we could get $250 start up for each student that's going? It's late in the summer. I don't, know if, I don't know if they can raise that money. He says, and after a few minutes of conversation, and he had made some suggestions, why don't we start this year by giving each student of these four $1,000 towards scholarship? So ENC, the institution... This college believes in this and believes in the small churches across our region. 
We want to help them and support them. And the best way to do that is if you stay engaged and active in the church. So this is one program, one way to hope, hopefully you will do that. So today Jenny and Pastor Jeff and Pastor James will be around and uh, Sam Monkern, the son of the Monkerns, and uh, some of their children will be around and they'll be at a table. You can pick up an application and, and just let us know if, if you'd want to use your gifts in the church. And if you say, I'm not good at maintenance like you, Corey, I'm terrible. I'm not good at video or photography like you, Corey, I'm terrible at that. Uh, I'm not good at working with youth like you, Corey, I'm terrible at that. But if you have some gifts and talents that you say, you know, I can do this, can a church, will you just please let us know? Uh, we'll find a place. We'll find a place. So, the table will be up in the student center. Thank you for allowing me to take time to uh, mention that program. We want to remember our gospel choir. They're on tour this weekend as they're traveling on the upstate district. And uh, we'll want to continue to keep them in thought and prayer. But let me begin with a word in prayer before we go to the word. Heavenly Father, you have been glorified and lifted up through song. You have been glorified and lifted up through our prayers. And now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray your continued blessing upon this time. Speak to us as your word is proclaimed. Be glorified, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. I've really honestly been struggling. (laughs) It started maybe last Friday, maybe even a little before that, as I preached the previous Wednesday, where I never showed a clip from Austin Powers, the International Man of Mystery. I never did that. I never did that. With the trustees here, please, we all agree, that clip was never shown in chapel. Thank you. We'll continue. Um, I've been concerned for quite some time, but especially in the last week because I've been troubled in my spirit by the number of blog posts, the number of articles, the number of books with titles like Top 10 Reasons Why I Left the Church. Top 15 Reasons Why I Left the Church. These lists, articles, and blogs are from individuals from both Catholic and Protestant traditions. In both Young people are fleeing. One author referred to it as the de-churching of his friends. I hadn't heard that before. The de-churching of young people. My concern is not just because this dialogue is increasing and I'm seeing more blogs that are getting a lot of activity and actually heightening the concern that I have. That's not my only concern. It's not, my only concern is not just because, as I said, 8 million 20-somethings have left the church and that continues to grow with each decade. Um, she got, that statistic is from a book called You Lost Me, Why Young Christians Are Leaving the Church and Rethinking Faith. Those are valid concerns and I'm worried about it, but there's something deeper within me that, bo- that I'm bothered by as I read these lists and I read these articles, and that is this. I agree with so much of their reasoning. I agree with some of those things I see on the list. So, allow me to mentioned some. One was, uh, we've been hurt. Adult life and college and church don't seem to mix. I think I can see some truth in that. There's no natural bridge to the church. I promise you we didn't call it the bridge program. That was named before I saw this title, but that was one of, one of the author's statements. We're skeptical. The author of this blog goes on to say, we're exposed to more ad impressions in a month today than any other previous generation experienced in a lifetime. That's unbelievable. I hadn't heard that before. We're skeptical. Christians are seen as hypocrites. Church seems to lack relevance. Nobody looks like me. But then there is one thing why, what I would add to the list that I didn't see in anyone else. 
the one that is most troubling and disturbing to me is seeing how Christians are tearing down other Christians. Forgetting what Jesus said, that if they are not against us, they are for us. And with the overwhelming number of bloggers these days and the dialogue that has just continued to increase, it just continues to be heightened and I see it more and more, Christians tearing down Christians. And to be honest with you, that is my reason why I would say I want no part. And so I've been troubled. To the point where I even shared this with Edie maybe three or four days ago and she had a concerned look on her face face like I was making some sort of statement of leaving and I'm not, I'm just troubled. It started a little bit, as I shared with you last Wednesday, uh, when I spoke last in chapel. But then Friday afternoon, I loved having David Johnson in chapel. He did such a, a beautiful job with silent images. Go to his website. He's got great resources there. But we were talking about the Coney Dialogue, and we had such a healthy, constructive, good conversation in the afternoon. So here's a man who has been in Uganda, and just eight months ago, his organization filmed all the great things that has been happening in Uganda in the last five years. And so one of the critiques of the Coney video, as you know, is that they're not, uh, they're not showing what Uganda is like today and that Coney is gone. And David said that is a very fair critique. That's a very fair critique. And he went on to share some of his concerns, but we had this healthy conversation. And he said, what are you going to do when they catch Coney? And he says, they will catch him. They will catch him. Are you going to put the t-shirt away? Are you going to stay engaged? Are you going to stay active to make sure that another warlord does not rise up? Because there are worse warlords out there today kidnapping children that are even more powerful than Coney. He says, my concern is that it's just become advertising and hype and you're only engaged because it is exciting. But I need you to stay with the conversation. It was such healthy and constructive and good dialogue. He wasn't dismissing invisible children. He wasn't dismissing the founder. But when you deal with difficult issues, there will be difficult issues to address within that situation. There will be critical thinkers that we must address some tough topics of why didn't they portray the video this way? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? They could better do it if they approached it this way. All good conversation. But as I shared two weeks ago, I was concerned by some of the other Christian organizations that are just taking personal attacks at the founder of ICA. I was troubled by that. I shared that with you. And I was troubled by other Christian organizations with good and noble causes just tearing apart invisible children. So we had this great conversation and I was so encouraged by it. And, and five minutes after we leave that room... Dave and I are together and we both are checking our mail and articles and we see that the uh, founder of Invisible Children has had a psychiatric break, the way Dr. Massey described it to me, a psychotic break, where you be, when you are dehydrated and when you are exhausted and when you are taking so much personal criticism, it can destroy you. It's a Friday night, I'm angry. Not because I think the founder of Visible Children is the perfect organization. I'm sure that they're not. But I think Christians in the church have some responsibility in what this man has gone through. He will be hospitalized for several more weeks. I recently quoted Will, Will Willimon in chapel, the, a bishop in the United Methodist Church and former dean of the chapel at Duke University, when he said to hundreds of his pastors... The Holy Spirit is ruthless in leaving dying churches. The Holy Spirit is ruthless 
and leaving dying churches. So if that is true, it should not surprise us that 8 million 20-somethings like yourselves are leaving the church. In the book, You Lost Me, again, Why Christians Are Leaving the Church and Rethinking Faith, the author describes uh, the 20-somethings that are leaving, and he puts them in three different categories, if you will. He says there are the nomads. The nomads are those who walk away from church engagement but still consider themselves Christians. There are the prodigals who have lost their faith, describing themselves as no longer Christian. And there are the exiles. They are still invested in the Christian faith but feel stuck or lost between culture and the church. And I've been troubled. Two days ago in my Bible reading, my devotion reading for the morning, I was reading 1 Samuel chapter 3. And a line stood out to me that I'm sure I've read many times before, but it, it captured my attention. Chapter 3, verse 3. Three. The lamp of God had not gone out. The lamp of God had not gone out, and that captured me, so I read on, and I studied this a little more and picked up some commentaries. And I mean, I knew the story of, of 1 Samuel in chapter 3. Uh, maybe many of you know it. For those of you who don't, there in the beginning of 1 Samuel, there's Hannah, and she's barren, and she prays to the Lord that he will bless her with a child so that she could give birth to a child and, and he does and she gives birth to Samuel, Samuel and at the age of three she takes him to the temple and dedicates him to God where he will serve under the prophet Eli and then in this verse he is a, a little older and we see that God is calling to Samuel allow me to read these 11 verses now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days there was no frequent vision at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and to lay down. And the Lord called Samuel again, and Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Go lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went to lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling at other, as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel in which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. The lamp of God has not gone out. Things were not going well in the religious order of the day. Eli's family had been unfaithful and the anointing and blessing of God was now being transferred away from Eli's family and they would have to pay for their sins. And the fact that Eli did not hold his sons accountable and, and that's actually the first prophetic message that Samuel must proclaim to him the very next morning. And as it says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. 
there was no frequent vision. Even then, it appears as if God was ruthless in leaving dying temples. If my people will not serve me, I will not stay. Samuel gives this response of that of a servant. That of a servant of God. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's more than just knowing the words to say or the prayers to pray. For even Eli knew these words, for he instructed Samuel to say them. But his family wasn't living completely surrendered to these words. Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. They weren't completely surrendered to these words. And even then, the leader of the temple, the prophet, and all those called to serve and lead were being unfaithful. The word of God was rare in those days. There were no frequent visions. But the lamp of God had not yet gone out. It is an appropriate text for this Lenten journey we're on. Some of you are reading a devotional called Ashes to Fire. It begins on Ash Wednesday, goes through Easter and into Pentecost, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and the church is established. I assure you the power and light of the Holy Spirit in the church of Jesus Christ has not gone out. Has not gone out. It is not extinguished. And by the grace of God, the Lord has reminded me in these last few days some things I have witnessed over the last couple weeks to remind me that the kingdom of God has broken in among us. I just needed to look a little more closely. I just needed to listen a little more closely. And the Lord has helped open my eyes and ears and heart to several things that I've, I've just missed. Recognizing that the light of Christ is among us whether it is at a church where there are several homeless men that attend and have been battling drug addiction their whole life. And in these later years of life, they are, through the power of God, battling back. And I sit in this prayer meeting sometimes in Angel Chapel, and if you ever have a chance to go to Angel Chapel at, I think, 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, there's a prayer meeting, and the average age of people in there is about 78. It's an older group from here at the church, Walston Church. And just a few weeks ago, I sat in the back pew and I heard them weeping and crying for you. Oh, they were crying out for you. It was unbelievable. The lamp of God has not gone out. I read an article recently by a professor and pastor, Jeff Barker, that talks about in their church where they collect for the food pantry, they keep the food, at least when I read the article, central so that everyone can see that they're caring for others. And it's a great article. I encourage you to ask him for a copy of it. But it's a reminder to the church that they are caring for others and those in need. The lamp of God has not yet gone out. Some of you are fasting through Lent. Some of you have gone through a 40-day fast to pray for this community. And I know some of you are fasting, only drinking water, and the money you save from other drinks, you're donating to organizations to put in water wells. The lamp of God has not gone out. There are mentoring programs. Maybe you donate books, but you just don't donate a book or give a dollar or two, which is wonderful and good. You invest in young people's lives, whether that's the Germantown after-school program or the mentoring program through CRJ. The lamp of God has not gone out. 
had the privilege and blessing just two weeks ago getting a call from a pastor who's starting a, a church here in the area, right here in Quincy. Uh, pastor Stephen Sharkey, who's actually with us today. He's a new friend, so I won't make him stand up. But he said, just feel called to North Quincy. And just want to see if you have any advice about the community and how we can better serve. The lamp of God has not gone out. So whether it's in Pennsylvania, Davis Square, Annandale, D.C., these churches, some we don't know because they're so small, they're not on our radar, the lamp of God has not gone out. All of these, God was reminding me that He is at work and the, the Holy Spirit is upon us and in the church. And We must not lose heart. We must not get discouraged. There is a place for dialogue. There is a place for conversation. We must look at why so many are leaving, but don't lose, fa- don't lose sight of the fact that the lamp of God has not gone out. But the greatest example for me happened last Friday morning. David and I came in early, uh, about 8.30. We knew that the gospel choir had a concert the night before for Festival of Life, and assuming the place was trashed, I thought I should get here early. It wasn't. It was, it was, it was great. And David had some video and PowerPoint. It was just the two of us in the sanctuary, and uh, we were standing up here on the podium to see if his clicker would work and, uh, from, the, from this great distance. And, and a young man, a, a young Asian-American man, maybe 14 or 15 years old, comes running down the aisle. And I could tell from the way that he was running, and he was trying to run fast, that he had some special needs, though I couldn't know what they were. I, I, I sensed that as he was running down the aisle. And he had his hands in front of him, and, and, and he couldn't communicate. And he's coming up here, and he's looking, and he's searching for something, and he's looking here and he's looking here and he comes up the steps and he's looking in the choir loft and I said, you know, can I help you with anything? Are you okay? Can I help you with anything? And, and David's like, do you know him? I said, I, you know, I've never seen him before. But I could tell that he was looking for something and, and then he goes in this back room and he's looking in the room and he's looking around the room and I'm trying to talk to him and he's making some noises but he's, he's not communicating with me, at least not, not that in a way that I understood. And he's looking and he's looking and I tell David, Dave, why don't you go get... I didn't know if he was from the street. I didn't, I didn't know where he came from. And it was three or four minutes that was going. I said, Dave, why don't you get someone in the church office? We've got to find out where this young man lives. I don't even... And about that time, uh, his mother, uh, a little panicked, <laughs> comes running, running down the aisle. And she goes and grabs him because he's still, he's still looking everywhere. And he's searching for something and... And I says, he's, is, is he looking for something? Did he lose something? She says, he's looking for, and then he, she was distracted because he was getting more animated and he was getting a little more anxious and he was a little more troubled as he was looking for something. And then she looks at me with a big smile and says, he's looking for the gospel choir. He was here last night. He's looking for the gospel choir. Everyone would tell us we could not communicate with him. Medically. He's not understanding. It doesn't get it. Yet the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, sung and proclaimed by 18, 19, 20-somethings, was able to break through. The lamp of God has not yet gone out. Though some of the reasons listed of why being a part of a church is sometimes difficult, those are accurate reasons, many of them. 
But how will you respond? Will you, like eight million others, leave the church even though the lamp of God has not yet gone out? Or will you respond and live in a way that says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, forgive me for doubting you. Forgive me if during the days when I was a pastor, I was maybe one who didn't always give the best example and maybe at times people were even turned away because of, even if it was well-meaning, maybe I did something that hurt or misled or misrepresented you. I ask for your forgiveness. And I pray for the generation that sits before me. I pray your healing upon them if they have been hurt by the church. I pray you give them wisdom beyond their own understanding. I pray you open their eyes and ears so that they might see the kingdom of God is among us. The light of Christ is here. And maybe we go through seasons or periods of life where you have to look a little more closely or listen a little more intently. May we be faithful in doing so. And above all, Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone in this chapel and part of this community that we will live in a way that says, Speak, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Be glorified, we pray, in all that we say and all that we do. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a beautiful and wonderful weekend. You are dismissed. Go in peace to love God and serve others.